To another edition of the Courtside with Joe Murley podcast, alongside Sean Bowley, and we have a guest in studio this week, uh, Jason Shea, the head coach of Notre Dame West Haven, who just um, the school just starting their a new postgraduate program for the 2019-20 season. So we're going to skip all the introductory stuff. You can find the latest poll on Game Time CT, the latest stars, the games to go see, all that stuff. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame West Haven is number four and undefeated at 14 and 0. Correct, uh, Jason. Um. Obviously, it got a lot of reaction last Friday when it was publicly introduced. How long had you been thinking about it, and what was your reasoning behind starting a postgraduate program? Well, first, thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate um, being here and opportunity to talk about the program and our current team. You know, we started thinking. I started thinking about it uh, a long time ago. You know, we uh, wanted to have an opportunity to prevent some of the prep schools, especially local prep schools, from calling our players, sophomores, juniors, um, offering them an opportunity to transfer and reclassify at their schools. And, you know, as much as we uh, try to educate our parents when you reclassify that you're still moving on academically to your next year, you're not repeating your sophomore year, for example, if you were a sophomore. What you're repeating is just an athletic year. So essentially you're signing up for a five-year high school career. And we think we've done a good job of that in Notre Dame. We've kept most of our players, only lost one uh, since, yeah. Yeah, since I took over as the, the head basketball coach, uh, but still wanted to have an opportunity to combat and um, really uh, give our players an opportunity to stay and play uh, for Notre Dame in a great environment, what we believe is a, a program that develops them and prepares them to play at the college level. So, you know, we started getting the conversations. I talked to Tom Marcucci. Obviously looked at the Woodstock model a little bit, although we're, we are different in that we can't or, or not offering boarding. Um, and, yeah, it just started to move through conversations with the CIC and, um, you know, obviously with the school going through the board of directors, the head of school, Robert Curis, has been extremely supportive, and, uh, and also the Brothers of Holy Cross, who also have been extremely supportive of this program. And, um, yeah, it just started to move along, gain momentum, and um, you have the story now. Yeah, uh, postgraduate programs, as we both know, all know, and Sean Bowley here as well as the show's producer, um, have been around for a long time. So is it just the case of these Fairchester League schools, Hamden Hall, St. Luke's, Greens Farms Academy most notably, because they are not allowed to have postgrads, they, they allow reclassification. Is that the, the salvo that fired us? Look, we, we've got to try something, those three in particular? Um. Yeah, yes and no. I think for um, – I, first of all, I don't blame those schools for recruiting our kids. That's their job, right? I mean, they they're they co- can legally they're, recruit yeah, kids. That, yes, that's their job. They're allowed to do it, and right, they're not on the they're not under the NC, sorry, NCAA. <laughs> the they're not in the, under the CIAC umbrella. They're under a whole new thing, so they can basically do whatever they want. That's right. right. And so, if you were a coach there, or if you were a head of school, and you know, it's perfectly reasonable that they're going to go and and try to find players uh, in in the CIAC. So, I understand what they're doing. Um, what I don't agree with in a lot of cases is the, the idea that reclassification has become trendy for kids. And there are a lot of kids who are reclassifying at young ages with no guarantee, um, really no understanding of where they're going to be recruited. And I believe that sometimes 
the idea of reclassification, you believe, oh, I'm going to get recruited. I'm going to a prep school and I'm reclassifying as a sophomore or junior when they're not being recruited at that time. So it's really a, a leap of faith. Uh, they have to leave their local high school, uh, you know, really great environments to play in, to play in, you know, prep school leagues that quite honestly, you're going to play in front of 50, you know, 75 people in a night. And uh, you have no idea if you're going to get recruited. The idea of a post-grad program and, and what we're doing at, at Notre Dame is to give kids the opportunity after they complete their four years at high school, if they're getting recruited by college coaches and a college coach says to that player or that parent or that coach, hey, you know, you could use another year, get stronger, get more mature, improve your game, raise your SAT scores, whatever it is. And then we'll give you the opportunity to play at our college. That student athlete and his parent can make an educated decision at that point to do a fifth year. When you do it as a sophomore, you're not made, I don't believe, unless you're a highly elite player going to a highly elite prep school, that you're making an educated decision. Now, it doesn't mean you can't transfer because you want to go, it's better academics, or what, I understand that, that's fine. Um, but we're giving parents an opportunity to make that decision uh, when it makes most sense, in my opinion. Jason Shea, the uh, head coach of the high school, Notre Dame West Haven team, no rank number four in the latest game time poll, and also the athletic director taking over for Tom, the previous mentioned Tom Marcucci, who was at the school for 50 years and uh, retired uh, last year. Uh, Jason, we um, obviously, Nick DeFeo has been hired uh, once the season ends at Woodstock Academy, blue team. Uh, he will be working in the admissions office as well, which is what he is doing in part at Woodstock. First, how long did it take you to find a coach did you have him in mind because he's not doing any interviews till the season's over? And how will he help with the process of what you guys are trying to accomplish? Well, when we really decided to move on on this program, I thought the first stop for me was obvious. I wanted to call up uh, Woodstock and just get insight, not only in um, you know how they started the program, but how it was going. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, did a conference call uh, with Woodstock, uh, athletic director, head coach, Tony Bergeron, and Nick DeFeo was on the uh, call as well. And, again, just trying to get some insights on, on how it began and how it was going. And, uh, yeah, so to get Nick, and, you know, I asked Tony at the time, I said, you know, if you have anybody in mind that understands the world of prep school, you know, I, I'm certainly open to interviewing them and having them come to Notre Dame. And you really need to get the right guy to start a program like this. Sure. It's extremely important. And I was very surprised when he said his his lead assistant, you know, and that's, uh, that was his guy, Nick DeFeo. And Nick was interested in starting his own program. He doesn't live too far from uh, Notre Dame, so the commute's actually um, not going to be too difficult for him. Where does he live, if you don't mind me asking? He's uh Oh my gosh! I'm gonna maybe like North Haven, Wallingford area. Wow, she's making a long commute. Yeah, to I, I could be. You know, <laughs> when you do interview Nick, he'll confirm it for you. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's not a bad commute for him. And I had a man. He's young. He's energetic. He's extremely smart. Uh, he knows the game. Uh, played college at Western New England. So, you know, he's he's got all the facets. And what I really like about him, what's obvious if you if you follow him on Twitter, you can see a lot of his former players are are supportive. Um, of him and that tells you a lot about a coach when former players come back or are publicly supportive of you it means he's very good at developing relationships and when you're at the pg level you have to develop those relationships in one year so it takes a skilled individual uh with really good people skills and understanding to do that so i I think he's the perfect fit for us we should really kind of explain to people who don't really know what exactly is going on like um 
know, Woodstock Academy, basically, what they had done is they were kind of figure, trying to figure out what they wanted to do as a school. Am I about right? Um, you, had a, you also had the Putnam Science Academy uh, prep school going on. They didn't look like they were going to survive. Um, so Woodstock, uh, like, what did they do originally? They bought this or they, they brought that program in, and then at the last minute, it looked like that program was going to be okay. So then they split off, and so Woodstock was kind of like, we're still thinking about where we might go prep school. So what they did was they it looked like they were going to go and then they're going to start a graduate program to compete alongside with their whole with their whole uh, regular boys basketball. One. But then the CIAC was like, well, you can't do both. And so you can only, you know, unless you, you either go or you leave. And then they came up with a solution where they said um, you can have a graduate program. This is something I'd never heard of before. This is unprecedented. Where you can have a graduate basketball program as long as it has nothing to do with your varsity program. program. And that was kind of... So that you looked at that, Jason. You looked at that and you must have been like, wow, that that's a great idea. Is that basically how it came about? It was only a couple of years ago, right? Or yeah, it hasn't been around too long. Um, you know, when they did it, I wasn't necessarily at that point thinking about it. Um, but but seeing not necessarily their success, it's a very different program. I mean, they they're having they have kids from California. You yeah, know? they have kids from all over the country coming to play in their program, and, and we're the gold team we're talking about. Yeah, the gold team. I, I, I'm not sure the blue team. I'm sure they have some guys that are you know are traveling to get to that team as well. Do they? Ha- is this so? This is a they have separate levels of this graduate program. Gold they, team, they blue two, team. They have two teams. Yeah, gold and blue. Gold is a little bit of a higher level, but blue is a very high level for them also. Right. You're talking about several college players at the Division One level. So they're, even their blue team is extremely talented. You know, I think part of me getting involved with this program is, and I, I've said it, and you know, Joe asked me the question, I get defensive when I hear college coaches, and I talk to a lot of college coaches, I mean, every single day. And the, the idea of using, oh, the CIAC in a negative way, he's a CIAC player, oh, it's a CIAC, mm-hmm. you know, and – I just I, I get very insulted by that. I think the CIC, I think the players, in, you know, and the coaches in the state are very good. At, I mean, for a small state, we send yeah. a, we send a high percentage of kids on to play college right out of the CIC. Right. And I don't like the narrative that the CIC is is somehow less than or not recruitable. You know, and I believe that we need to do things to make the CIC more relevant in college coaches' eyes and parents' eyes and players' eyes understand that it's a very high level of basketball that you're going to enjoy your high school experience the, the games that we play in on a uh, on a weekly basis playing Hamden and playing Hill House and sold out gyms is a tremendous high school experience for those players and fans that are at those games and and I just I get very defensive I want these I believe the kids should have the opportunity to do that and not have to worry so young so at such an early age when they're in high school about their college prospects I think that we're we're hyper focused on that, and I think that um, parents are becoming hyper focused by that. And this program gives kids an opportunity, again, in, in the local area especially, to stay at their high schools. And I, I want to just um, really hammer home the idea that this is not just a program for Notre Dame players. We are not going to have 15 seniors matriculate to a PG program every year. <laughs> you know, at most you're talking maybe three, maybe three. And I would think that'd be a lot. That'd be a, a very high year. I mean, one or two potentially on an annual basis, uh, which leaves 13, 14 spots, you know, at the very minimum, 12, uh, 12 spots available for local players to uh, pursue their dreams of playing at the college level. And the people I've talked to so far for a follow-up story I'm going to do at some point soon, um, 
they wonder, they think it's a great idea, but they wonder how you're going to be able to attract people from a certain mile radius without boarding. How, how, how much thought was put into boarding and how tough is it going to be to retract what you want to try, at least in the early going, without being able to keep them on campus? I think it's a challenge, but I think that if you look at our local high school, I mean our regular high school, we, we draw from 27 towns right, right. now. Um, we're very fortunate West Haven put in the train station. The train station now has a UNH shuttle. That we work very close to the University of New Haven. They've been fantastic partners with us, and, and I think we've been great partners to them. Their shuttle runs continuously all day, right through the night. And it picks kids up at the West Haven train station, drops them right off on our doorstep. Kids get out of practice. They get right back on the shuttle, right back to the train station. So anywhere the train goes, right, up through Hartford, sorry, all the way to Fairfield uh, County, kids can get on a train, and our kids already do that. So the reality is we could, we could bring kids in from all over the state, and it's, it's not too bad of a commute for, for a family. Could you see, I mean, we should mention that Notre Dame is literally like right across the street from UNH. Yes, it is. Um, University of New Haven. Could, could you see at some point down the road, maybe, if you decided you needed to have borders, maybe maybe grab some rooms from UNH? Have you thought about that? We, we could not do that, actually. Oh, okay. That would be an NCAA violation. Oh, okay. Right, so for, okay. U, for UNH to house students there, um, would, would, in the NCAA's mind, give them okay. um, an Just advantage to recruit them. Yeah, I mean, is it – Am I completely ruling out in the future um, a second team or, you know, the potential of boarding? I mean, I'm not going to rule out anything, but at this point, we just want to do this right. Um, And we really just want to – we want to see the program be successful. And, again, I want to see local kids, um, you know, matriculate into this program if they need it and and then move on to college. And I think that will speak to the success of the program. When did you guys come to this decision and when did you go to the the CIAC and – how did that whole process, you know, how long did that take? Well, um, as a school, when did we come to this decision? Again, you know, Tom Marcucci and I had these conversations. And, I, you know, as a first-year athletic director, I, it's, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. We've got a lot of things going on. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, but Tom Marcucci, you know, working with him over the last few years and, and knowing him for, you know, for so long now um, really gave me a lot, a lot of insight. And I still turn to him and talk to him for advice. Uh, but we spoke about this program first. And in my mind, if Tom Marcucci didn't think it was a good idea, you know, I probably wouldn't have pursued it. He's been involved in high school sports for so long. And Tom Marcucci has always been extremely supportive to me and uh, my ideas. And, you know, sometimes he's told me plenty of times, no, don't do that. That's not a good idea. And, you know, I could take that, and that's okay. But so it first started with a uh, conversation with Coach Marcucci, and then it moved on to the school level. Uh, Robert Curis, the president of the school, Again, extremely supportive and extremely open to new ideas. Uh, and um, so then once Robert, Robert understood the idea, you know, and, and supported it, it was to move on to, the, to really the next spot, which was researching the program. Uh, then I reached out informally to the CIAC just to make sure that we weren't spinning our wheels, mm-hmm. that it was something that um, we could do without violating our uh, standing as a state CIAC school. We certainly don't want to do that. And then it was speaking with Al Carbone, uh, mm-hmm. just to give him a heads up and make sure we weren't violating any league bylaws. And again, Al Carbone is a you know as our league commissioner has been extremely supportive. Uh, I answered a lot of questions. We had long conversations about it. And um, so you did talk to the SEC about this, or you Al? In, I talked to yeah, Al before. about it uh, before. I wanted to touch base with um, leadership at all levels. Okay, you know, and just make sure that it made sense. And and once Al. Uh, gave me the assurance based on the league bylaws and that he believed it was a great idea. 
you know, that would benefit the league. You know, if he had said it, I, I think it's a terrible idea and it's going to really, you know, maybe we would have backed off a little bit. Uh, but, you know, he really was, again, extremely supportive. And then once we had all those in place, then it was going back to our school, uh, our structure is a board. We have a board of directors. Uh, we had to pre- I had to present to the board of directors the idea, and then it had to go to the Brothers of Holy Cross, who still oversee Notre Dame High School, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it was just one level after the next um, of uh, clearing this program and making sure everybody was on the same page before we went public with it. What was CIAC's first reaction? Um, pretty good. I mean, they, they replied back with just a, a couple of stipulations, and we, we anticipated those. Um, one, the programs are separate. We knew that. Um, the CIC also requested that the kids are taking separate classes, um, mm-hmm. you know, which I don't think is a stipulation at Woodstock, um, but we're happy to comply. It actually makes more sense for us to send the kids through um, and on a different course schedule. It makes it easier, you know, if they're taking the same courses throughout the day because now as far as teachers, we don't have to add staff. It's very, it's very easy, right. easy to, to staff that out. So um, <laughs> we were actually that, – that was a good stipulation for us, to be perfectly honest. And other than that, very supportive. Um, yeah, so I, it was a, it wasn't, I would say it's smooth. It, it wasn't a short amount of time. Right. It took a lot of time, a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations. What has been, I guess you went to the AD's meeting the day it came, became public and you sent an email out a couple of days before. What has been reaction from your brethren in the SEC and from coaches around the state? Have you gotten a lot of feedback, good or bad? I did push it out to some coaches, uh, prior to publicly announcing just to give their feedback and also just to let them know why and what I believe the benefit would be not only uh, to obviously to Notre Dame but to, to their schools and their programs as well. And that feedback from the coaches I reached out to uh, was very positive. Uh, the Board of Governors meeting, uh, with all the head of schools and ADs, I did send an email out the day before um, knowing we had that meeting the next day and anticipating a lot of questions. I thought it was appropriate at that time that they heard it uh, from me first and it wasn't out publicly and um, you know I answered a lot of questions that day uh, from several schools and I thought it was overall a very positive experience I thought it was an educational experience uh, for a lot of headed schools who maybe wouldn't have understood uh, the program without first sitting down and um, I thought that there was a lot of positive reactions in the room and certainly there's some people that are a little apprehensive about it and um, question it and I also understand that perspective I mean I'm not um, not naive to think that some people are going to be critical of the program and I'm okay with that I just believe again that we're doing something that for 15 players each year is going to help them achieve their dreams and go play at the college level and you know at the end of the day I can't see too much wrong with that do you think there will be backlash from certain league members that maybe kept it private at the meeting I'm sure I think that in every circle and every workplace and in every environment there's always going to be people who differ in opinion and some who are going to voice it publicly and some who are going to voice it privately. I'm a big boy. <laughs> you know, I've, I've played sports my whole life. I've been involved in sports my whole life. I've got thick skin, you know, and um, I'm certainly happy to answer questions. That's why we're here now. Um, to, for any athletic director or any coach um, that that um, has an issue with the program, and hopefully I can explain it well, and, and then they can determine themselves if they agree or disagree, but um, if they think it's going to be positive or negative. No, but that's that's the that's their prerogative. I guess that the criticism would be at least just thinking off the top of my head that you already you know might get kids from their towns already, so they're already kind of you know grumbling about that. Kids decide to go to Notre Dame or 
you know, that some people might even say you guys recruit and all that stuff, which, you know, <laughs> you know, what can you say? I mean, they, they, you're never going to avoid that, whether you do or, or especially if you don't, I mean, you're just never going to avoid that. But I, I think a lot of people would say like, well, what's this, pre you know, preventing kids saying like, well, that's a better option for me. Now you're going to get more kids. I think that a lot of them will be, how is this going to affect my ability to field a good team and not lose my kids to a kid who might want to go to Notre Dame just to perhaps secure a spot in their, you know, in their uh, postgraduate in their postgraduate program. program. I mean, I can, you can see that. You know, that's always been the big thing. They're taking my kids. They're taking my kids. You see it. Not just it's not just basketball. It's football. And then there are some people who are even saying like, why are we even playing these guys on a regular basis? But they are, they're playing. They're a whole different school than we are. They can get guys from anywhere. So I mean, you can obviously see that type of thing. And what would you say to someone who would, who would basically bring up those concerns to you? Uh, there's a lot of different levels in that question. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I so, know yes. it's very layered there. I'm so, sorry. So uh, you know, first on the on the recruiting, um, you know, we don't recruit our ninth graders that come to Notre Dame, and that's just a fact. And you know, if you look at our personnel and our team, and again, I don't want to just do a, a point for point, but our players, I, we take great pride in our work ethic, and we believe that our players do a tremendous job at developing. I don't think you'll look at any guy on our team right now and say, wow, that kid was the best eighth grader in the state, right? And we don't have too many kids coming from out of state into our, our program. You know, the, our kids, you know, like a Zach LaPutte, you know, you see him in eighth grade, he was a baseball player, okay? And the player that would stand out would be Connor Raines. Sure. And I could tell you as a fact, and if you had him on and you asked him the same question, that the reason he attended Notre Dame is because I never called him. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing ironically. I'll leave it at that. Did he like that? Did he like the school? Is that because everybody else wanted a piece of the action? That was the only one. I'm just going to say he received calls from others. Okay. Okay. I never called him, and his mom appreciated that that I never did, and she'll she would speak to that. But then, where's he but from? He's from Beacon, Beacon Falls. Falls. Okay. Same as uh. Oh right, there are a lot of I saw a Jaffe story. Yeah, yes. Jaffe <laughs> did a story on the two of them, but. You know, I think that our program uh, does recruit itself, and I understand the advantage that we have, that kids can attend school from different towns, and I also understand the frustration of those towns when their kids decide to come to our school. However, the CIAC has accounted for that advantage in the state, at the state level, by right. creating Third the divisions, tournament. right? I mean, you have double L schools in Division three. We are a right. class L school, two divisions higher. Now, around the country, and again, we, we sometimes get caught up in our own world here in Connecticut. The same issues exist elsewhere. Right. And around the country, the general rule of thumb when you address Catholic versus public schools is the creation of a factor, a multiplier. And you basically take the total population of boys in your school or girls in your yep. school and you multiply it somewhere between 1.3 and 1.4. And that multiplier adds the number of boys or girls to your school and raises you up classification. To account for the fact that you guys can and you can draw from multiple areas. That's right. And when you think about Division One versus, you know, double L schools in Division Three, we are way past that national average of multipliers. So the, the, mm -hmm. the advantage of kids coming from other towns is, is built in. It's baked in in a big way in Connecticut. So uh, we'll start there. The, the idea that... Um, I'll answer another part of your question that we'll get to the PG program, that the PG program is going to attract ninth graders to Notre Dame. I just don't see that being the case. Parents, if, if you ex exist in the basketball world, which I do, I could guarantee you that ninth graders and their parents are not enrolling at any school the idea of five years. 
They right. want to go for four years. Right. My goal as a coach in Notre Dame, which we've done a very good job of, and I will brag about that, you know, the national average is 3.5% of all high school seniors, all high school seniors in the country, go on to play at the Division One, Two, and Three collegiate level combined. A lot of people don't understand that. 3.5. It's really hard to do. All right? At Notre Dame, it's 36%. Okay? The Division One average is 0.8%. At Notre Dame in the last six years, we are at 17%. So we do a very good job, and we're very proud of this. And it's not because, you know, we have some magic dust. Our players do work very hard, and I work very hard for them. And I'm going to continue to do that to get them into college after four years. The PG program gives me a conversation piece with a college coach to say, hey, you know, we had this with Jelani White with a, a few local Division One colleges who said, we'd like to send them up at a prep school and then we'll offer them. But Jelani already had an offer to Canisius in the same league mm-hmm. you know so my advice is to his mom is let's avoid a mortgage payment for sure let's take let's take the scholarship yeah you know even if you got to travel nine hours and you know sled around to class but the um, <laughs> hey is that a shot up state new york <laughs> yeah a little bit but um <laughs> so we're going to continue to do that but you know the again the idea that we're going to somehow elevate our program you know we are uh i think 72 and 16 since connor rains enrolled at notre dame mm-hmm. i'm just giving you the last four years you know, I'm not sure how much more we're going to elevate. You know, will we, because will a PG program lead to a state championship? I mean, I don't think so. We could have won a state championship two years ago with Jermon Waters here. Yeah. We just didn't. We lost. You know, that's going to, so I think we're going to be good next year. We're going to be good the following year. And that's without the PG program ever being here. So I think our program is in a good place. But I understand the perception. I understand that um, people are going to say, well, you, you recruit. And they're going to say, now you're going to get more kids. Um, we're already getting kids. We're already successful. Our kids are already going on to college. And I believe that the program is going to benefit a lot of local programs, uh, perhaps even more than it benefits us. You know, but that's the, that, that will be the proof is in the pudding, and we'll see as the, as the years go on. Uh, Jason Shea, nice enough from Notre Dame West Haven to join us here on the Courtside with Joe Murley podcast in studio. Um, we've talked about this whole issue recruiting, but what we, the other thing getting lost is I think parents and kids are lowest looking for the best deal. They're always looking to shop their kid around. If you get a situation where parents say, oh, I want my kid to come as a junior, and they're thinking two years down the road, they're coming to you. How is that discussion handled now that you have a postgraduate program versus what it was before? <clears throat> and, and, and we do agree that parents do look for, look for their best option for kids. It's not like it's something that's not right. a falsity. I mean, I think they're as guilty as everybody else. Sure. I, I can tell you, we don't want them. We don't, and I don't say that in a mean way. I don't want juniors or seniors traditionally transferring. I mean, Shaman Waters is a, it's a special case. You know, a rare example. We have another uh, kid, Bengali Sharif. Um, you know, we said, well, he came in from uh, Brooklyn, New York. Yes, he did. Why did he come in from Brooklyn, New York? His entire family lives in West Haven. My first captain, Kareem Cisse, one of, a close friend of mine now, a very close friend of mine. A lot of my, most of my players are good friends that have graduated. Kareem Cisse is Bengali's cousin. Spoke to you know Notre Dame and what it did for him and what and and what it could do for Bengali. And Bengali's family made the sacrifice, you know, to to move him down here to attend Notre Dame. And um, but we don't traditionally want juniors or seniors anyway. You know, we have a lot of guys who work and are four-year players, and it doesn't help our team. We're not a, a team of hired assassins. We're a team that, you know, really guys pay their dues, they wait their turn, and they, they work their way up through the program, and that is really the core of our success, and I want it to continue to be. So I don't want juniors 
coming here. I, um, you know, I don't want seniors for sure transferring in. You know, it's something that we're not looking for, and I would highly discourage. Can I tell a kid you can't transfer to Notre Dame and apply? No, I can't tell him that. Do I want them to when they call me up as a basketball coach? Yeah, I can tell them I'm, I'm not really interested in, 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 in you coming and playing for the program at this point. Finish your career at your school. If you're sitting in the PG, you'll have just as good as opportunity to play from your school as you would from Notre Dame. Because I think that's the biggest concern. With their shopping around, and it's not the coaches who are doing it, those are the coaches who think that you're going to do it, and you're bas- you're saying right here, as you said, and uh, that's the whole idea. of This I don't I want you to finish your at your school wherever it is, and, and move on because that's the whole idea. Of you're trying to prevent the reclassification, and you did would be exactly what would be happening. That's what you're trying to prevent. Absolutely, and I and I could tell you, you know, Joe and Sean, that I get a lot of calls, a lot of inquiries from kids currently now without a PG program. Asking about transferring in. Exactly. And we tell, I tell them, that. I can't tell you how many conversations I had, you know, and, and I'm not going to throw names or schools out there. Uh, but I tell them, no, you should not do it. We, you know, you, there's no, we don't really encourage that uh, because it doesn't help my program, uh, bringing in guys who haven't been involved in the program. Now, that doesn't, I'm going to leave freshmen out of this. You know, the CIC, I think it's very smart, allows freshmen to transfer without a sit-out sit policy, without a 10-day, because... Kids go to a freshman year and they're just not sure what they're looking for. Right. And a lot of kids come to Notre Dame as sophomores because they don't want to pay for four years, right. you know. And that I understand that. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that's the same uh, scenario. But yeah, we, we have a lot of kids who inquire now, and we discourage it. And we're going to continue to discourage it. Jason Shade joining us on the podcast. Uh, Jason, um, you had mentioned we're not sure yet until we get further along whether it's Double A AA or Triple A, regardless of division. They're they're all high power. The Power Five conferences. We Brewster. I don't there's, know anything about like what so is what exactly. Where do you play in? Like what is this? Like what what does a postgraduate program play? Like what do you have a league? Do you have a? I mean, I hear Power Five. I think the NCAA football. You know what I mean? Or, or you know what I'm talking about? So yeah. What, what are the for someone who doesn't know? Like who does who does Putnam Academy, uh, Putnam Science, and and Woodstock? Who do they play? And is there a league? Is there an overseer for this? Yeah. How is that structure work out? Well, you know, I'm not the best to answer all these questions. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I wish Nick were here. You know, it's hard to have an um, give an all encompassing overview. But basically, there are levels of prep school, yeah. and depending on the league or depending on the um, is this a NEPSAC thing or is it go under one umbrella? Right. It's 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 we're not part of the NEPSAC. We won't be right. a NEPSAC okay. member. Uh, we're playing the Power Five. Is 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 not that, uh, but it is what's considered triple-A or double-A level. So that in the Power Five conference, triple-A is the highest possible prep school level there is. South Kent. South Kent, that'd be a NEPSAC. That's a NEPSAC. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, See, but, I don't but, even but know. Woodstock Academy, Woodstock. Commonwealth, uh, these are triple-A. It's triple-A level. Now, we're in the same league. There's also a double-A division. That, that's where the Woodstock Blue team currently plays. But double-A is, is at that, you know, just below that level. And then it goes, you know, it goes down. Just imagine the, you know, B's and C's, and uh, the level you play at has a lot to do with the amount of exposure, the level of competition, the type of player that you're getting uh, into the school. So us being an, invited to play in the Power Five is very beneficial, you know, from the standpoint of where kids want to go play a fifth year. If you want to play the fifth year at a Double A or Triple A PG team, that certainly guarantees that you're going to play in front of a lot of college coaches on a regular basis. And, and that's what makes, you know, the league choice so strong for us. Um, whatever division you decide, you, you've already said on record it's going to be the same tuition, 16000 thereabout per year, 15 kids. People at home can do the math because I'm not smart enough to do it here. <laughs> um, 
But a lot of, some of those schools do offer athletic scholarships to their best players to be able to compete. Will Notre Dame be able to do that? And if not, how do you compete? The players who applied being the PG program will apply for financial aid. That's how it will go. That's yeah. how that's, Where that's like how the, like high school, like the high school, like high school. That's okay. how we've decided to do it. Again, okay. there are no. Of course, we could just say, "Hey, you can go for free at this PG team." There's no um, restrictions on that. But we've decided as a school that we want the the uh, student athletes to apply for financial aid, okay. and they create they complete a FAFSA just like you would if you're going to college. They submit all their financial documents, and then the computer program, you know, the, you you put it in, spits out a number. Of, of what that individual can actually afford to pay. So they're going to go through the same process, um, and then I'm certain that kids are going to get receive financial aid uh, to come to the school. I don't think that 15 players are going to pay $16,000. Um, right. but, but the school, certainly from a school standpoint, it is going to be a uh, revenue generator, um, which is a positive for Notre Dame. Have you talked to any other, I mean, has or any other, Privates, uh, Catholics, Fairfield Prep, Xavier. I mean, you don't have to throw any names out, but has any of them, you know, any type of those schools, I should say, uh, reached out to you? Hey, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should. We Which should we, we had thought of it first. Yeah. I um, mean, you don't, again, you don't have to say any names, but are any other schools of, that are similar to you in this state, have they reached out to you and said, how did you get this start? You know, have they inquired about this idea? Not yet, no. Okay. And um, could you, you know, see him doing that? Um, potentially. Right. Uh, Tom Curran uh, and Tony Jaska were extremely supportive. Okay. In the board of governors meeting, uh, Curran from uh, Fairfield Fair Prep, Prep and Jaska from Xavier. That's who, right. Who will be retiring at the end of the year? But right. Regardless. Right. They were both extremely supportive. Thought it was a very good idea. Um, you know, so I'm, it's it's certainly a possibility. I could see it happening. I think that um, there, if you're not boarding. There's only so many kids in the area, yeah, right. That you could bring in, you know. Uh, so supporting multiple programs with local kids is, would probably be a challenge, you know. Uh, but I think that it's possible you see it in different areas in the future. But it, as we mentioned, we don't know how this is going to go yet. We don't know the levels. You don't even know for yourself because it's just starting. So. What is the three to five year plan of how you determine success, whether it stays afloat, whether there's enough money to support since it's the same teachers and there's a lot of different angles for this. How do you determine success three to five years, whether it's worth keeping? Can we field the team every year? Are there enough players? Are these players moving on, you know, and playing at the collegiate level and being successful? And, um, you know, what is the overall impact on uh, Notre Dame High School? And on the league in general, I think those are the measures, you know, of, of success. Our kids, more kids staying, you know, are, uh, again, I just measure success is can we get the kids? Do we have enough? Are the kids going on and having successful careers and getting the opportunity to play in college? I think that would be my measure of success. Is there a budget set aside that you have to, is there fundraising that has to happen to have a travel budget to, to go to these places to, if you're going to have a national schedule or, or anything along those lines? No. Uh, tuition will more than cover our expenses for this program. Even with the financial aid? Even with the, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Where, where, yeah, where would you travel? Like how far, you know, who do you play and how far do you go? We have 30 games. Um, Already scheduled, in which league. is that's, that's the, interesting. That, you add more games, okay? Yeah, so that, um, but New England is our. We're not going further than New England, in, at least in year one. Right. Um, again, <laughs> Coach DeFeo, maybe he'll change his mind and 
you know, we'll put something together. But as of right now, we're gonna. You don't need to go further than New England, right? This is the hotbed of prep school basketball. Absolutely, you know, college coaches come to New England. In in well, not just basketball, just in general. I mean, this is the this is where everyone goes from across the country if they want a PG or they want to play in prep school. That's right. This, they all come here. Absolutely. I mean, there might be some out in California. I mean, but it's a, it's a New England thing, really. Absolutely right. It's a New England thing, and so we're we're not. We don't have to travel anywhere. Right. Maybe upstate New York or maybe even Long Island, but but mostly New England, yeah. yeah exactly. The Knox School, for example, right. is in Long Island. That would be a trip. But, uh, no, we, we're not going to travel anywhere. We don't need to uh, for our kids to get exposure. So um, as far as expenses, it will be covered by tu- <coughs> Excuse me, tuition. Now, isn't I'm told there's a building on c- campus that the students are going to, the new postgrads are going to be using. That's right as you exit. Is that that building over near... Um, I mean, I separate from the building. Somebody told me, is that not accurate? No, that's not accurate. Do you know what building I'm talking about? We have a house at the Brothers uh, yes, Holy Cross. That is not used for residents, but no, they're not using that. So they're going to be in the school. Yes. And there's only one gymnasium, correct? There's that's no, right. There's only like two gyms. With their open gym, school hall, is it is it easy to keep it, things separate? With open gym? I don't know the rules. Maybe you can explain the open right. gym policy. How are you going to keep Because that seems to be... I mean, you could have a certain amount of kids that could participate <coughs> in an open gym, but not like more than 50%. If I read the CIUC correctly. 50% of your players have right. to so be represented. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so open gym is the 50% rule. I don't see any issues with that um, at all. We have a lot of kids in an open gym all the time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's, we have a lot of kids who don't play basketball in an open gym. Right. Um, so that's not an issue. Uh, as far as gym time, we're an all-boys school. That gives us um, an advantage. Our gym is not as crowded as you would think. You know, uh, Nick is going to be able to practice. You know, their season is going to start much earlier than ours. Uh, our kids, well, we're very fortunate to have a strength and conditioning coach at the school. Our basketball team works out with him on a daily basis uh, throughout the year, but in the fall, it's right after school. You know, so our guys, um, along with other kids, we have in that strength and conditioning program, I'll also note that any kid interested in trying out for basketball comes to that program. We sometimes have 40 or 50 kids in the weight room. Um, who are working out in the whole preseason. So our, Tony, can, uh, I'm sorry, Nick can have his uh, practice, and then our kids are able to move in after they're done. We don't really deal with gym issues because we're uh, we only have 13 sports car- currently, <laughs> so the gym is wide open. There's plenty of time for for teams to share in there. Will you have home games at that gym? As far as like of the 30 game schedule, once the high school team starts to practice right around after Thanksgiving, will there be home games? And is scheduling an issue? We do anticipate home games. I believe we're going to try 10 home games in year one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing is we could front load that a little bit because the season starts uh, September. Uh, I think it's October. Okay. So we have almost two months. Yeah, when's it go? October till? Uh, March, okay. mid-March. Yeah, I, I believe we'll have plenty of time to schedule home games, especially early. But then we could also use Saturday afternoons during the season. Um, but they'll have two months of season before we've even started. Um, you know, which I again, I wish we did start earlier. That's a different podcast, maybe. But you know, <laughs> you talk about the CIAC. Yeah, yes. I mean, other states. Well, you know, you look at Florida. There, we, we went down and we played in Florida last year, and we're playing teams. And you know, uh, the three teams we played, you know, all had six or seven games under their belts, and you know, we were pretty much open in our season. Um, well, isn't that kind of yeah. why this is all happening? Because of the reclassification, those kids go to those schools at Hammond Hall, and they start their season in practicing in August and September. And that and that's kind of why we are where we are with this, right? I think it's part of it. You know, I think it, I think it is part of it. I think the uh, you know the opportunity to I think some of our rules do create an environment 
where it gives these prep schools the opportunity to recruit against our rules. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, no yeah. shot clock. Yeah, that's true. Starting too late. You know, that's I right. Shot clocks. I forgot you, all about you know, that. We're going to install <laughs> shot clocks in our gym. I can't wait. I wish we were installing it for my team, but we're installing it for uh, <laughs> all right, so team. Jason Shea, team shot clock. Yeah, how how much it. of a cost is that? We're going to use it during our scrimmages. How much of a cost is that going to be? I, I, do you know yet how much it costs it's going to be to yeah, install, to have somebody run it? Because that seems to be an issue with why we're not doing it through the federation. Co- cost is certainly not the issue in the, or the reason. The, the cost of the shot clocks is under $5,000. You look at a school budget, $5,000 is, is a spec. for one. It's a one-time cost. Even in the, this day and age when public schools are having budget issues. that's Yeah, we're talking yeah. about yeah. Well, We're also talking about the national Right, the I mean, national middle Federation. of nowhere places, and they're like, "What do you want us to put it in a shot clock?" Like you're talking, let's just say, for example, like North Dakota. You know what I mean? They're like, "What? We got to put a shot clock in now? We can barely even run our school." So I mean, I think that's part of it, right? Like I that. think it's part of it, but I think for five thousand dollars, I think that the you know, okay. I don't yeah. think it's a huge expense. And then you're paying somebody to run it. Yeah, so you're talking about an extra like, fifty bucks a game. You have ten 50? home games. It's five hundred, maybe seventy five, seven hundred fifty dollars a year. No, I was. I thought fifty was high. <laughs> it's yeah, like twenty bucks. Yeah. Give it to, and you, you could use the Massachusetts model. Massachusetts only has it for varsity only, so you're not paying someone for the freshman and yeah. JV level. Yeah. So I think there there are ways, but in fairness to the CIC, I understand why the CIC. It's not it's not them. No, it's the right? federation. It's the it's national federation. federation, and the CIC yes. does not want it. You know, I'm a lose their uh, vote. A member of uh, the national federation as a coach, and I understand we don't want to lose a vote. Uh, right. the national level so right. it's not it's certainly right. not the CIC sometimes they get um, unfairly they get, criticized yeah they do because it, and I yeah. you know, they so do get unfairly criticized that, that. And there, there's but. only I believe seven states that have actually decided to give up their national vote and install a shot clock I'm told there's eight in the country that have shot clocks the problem is most of them are around yeah. <laughs> around here <laughs> around here, so that around here. that's why they get so much yeah, yeah I thought it was seven maybe another another state added I was that. I asked I think it's it's eight I asked Massachusetts Greg. New York Rhode Island are one just surrounding yeah. us well, yeah. we played in Massachusetts this year. We played Sabbath School up in Springfield, yeah. yep. and we had a shot clock. And it Did was it come into re- play? It was really cool. Did it come into play much? Well, where it comes into play, you know, I, that's funny because we, some of the guys who say they don't want a shot clock, they think it's going to hurt the um, the weaker teams who want to hold the ball. Yeah, right. Newsflash, weaker teams can't hold the ball against better teams. Right. Yeah. Right. The advantage is the better teams. You know, if you look at the top schools, you know, I've seen Joe tweet it sometimes. Well, I'll, you know, I'll leave the teams anonymous in name, but here they go. Traditional spread. You know, you're up. Oh yeah, you're up ten with going four corners. Yeah. You're up ten with six wow. minutes to go, and you pull the ball out. Now, the the strategy defensively, clearly for the weaker team, was to sit back, pack it in in a zone or a man to man equivalent, and you know you could potentially compete in that defense, right? But you're down ten with six minutes to go in the game, and the team backs it out and just gonna, they're going to stand there. What do you have to do? You have to come out, and now you're coming out with inferior speed and size, and you know two dribbles later it's a dunk, yeah. right? And you're down 12, and the game's over. So I think the shot clock um, brings in more game strategy. I think it actually levels the playing field in a lot of ways uh, for all teams because it, it brings more coaching into play, uh, especially end of game. Jason Shea here to join us. We have a few more minutes on the podcast, and we've kind of we touched on everything. I'm sure there's stuff we haven't touched on, but if you haven't he, talked about my team this year, John, that's it. well, I know, but that's kind of not why you were here today. But uh, we we could get into that in a minute. But and, and they are number four in the state, and 13, they beat Shelton last 13, night by twenty five, seventy seven, fifty two, right? Seventy seven, fifty two. Okay, and they beat Hill House, and they got a big game in the little gym, Hill House. They're not playing at the Fully Lighted Athletic Center on Friday night. Oh. Um, if somebody comes to you, 
down the road and says, whoa, they come and they see what's going on. We're, 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 the season's over. Nick is high on staff. And they have questions about how, because they want to start it themselves. What are you going to say to them? I mean, obviously you may not have all the answers right today, but what do you, would you say to somebody who wants to come see your model and see if it works for them? I'd be happy to help. I mean, again, I was very thankful to uh, Tony Bergeron, you know, giving me uh, some information on their program and obviously finding a coach. And if somebody else were looking to do it and, and if I could actually provide advice, definitely give me a year before you ask me, you know, we're, this is our first year um, going through this and we're going to need time to work out kinks and, and um, get used to the program. And, but I'd be happy to, to help them and, and, and start a pro, help them start a program if, if uh, I could. But as you said in the beginning of the podcast, Jason, there seems this misconception maybe to some people that he just dropped out of the sky and he started, oh, let's do this to combat Hammond Hall and they're recruiting what they're doing. But you've been working on this for, at least in your mind, well over a year, whether put into action in the recent months. It takes a lot of, as you said, who you got to talk to. And there's a lot of legwork that goes into it, whether you like it or not. It, it's a lot of work. To, to do this, I mean, you're not like, oh, I, I, just, I just came up with the idea. It's, that's the biggest misconception I have ever heard. No, it took a lot of time. And, again, it's um, I don't have any issues. I wanted to stress this with the Hamden Halls of the world and, you know, and, and doing what they should be doing as a school and uh, Coach Doherty as a coach. You know, he's, it, but this was more about how we could provide, again, our student athletes and local student athletes, basketball players, with an opportunity uh, – for those who need that opportunity of a fifth year and can make that decision when it makes sense to make that decision, in my opinion, after their senior year and finishing their high school career in the SEC or the CIAC, and then getting an opportunity to go play and fulfill their dreams at the college level. Jason, your thoughts on your team before we wrap up as far as, you know, you got, you know, we're about a month, a month or so from the SEC tournament, maybe a little bit less. Um, one seed's in play. One seed in the Division One tournaments in play. You guys have, I mean, not all these players, but some of them have been there two years ago and last year. They know what it's like. Haven't been past the second round in Division One. Your thoughts uh, with what's going on with your team right now? Yeah, we, we only really have Connor from two years ago. Right. No, a couple yeah. of them have. Yeah, a couple of them. And Jaden uh, Kimbrough played a little bit uh, on that team as well. But I think we're we're progressing. We're getting better as the season goes on. You know, we haven't really even shot the ball as well as we think we can shoot the ball. Uh, but it's a great group of guys. You know, we have probably 12 players or so that have played uh, high-quality pressure varsity minutes this season. Yep. And and I think that's one of our strengths, our depth. I mean, clearly we have uh, some firepower, Connor Raines, um, Jaden Kimbrough, I mean, his first-team all-league player this year. His kid's been awesome on both sides of the floor. Mm -hmm. Zach Laput is, uh, you know, a Division One future player. Uh, has been tremendous all year. It brings toughness. So uh, we have firepower. We've dealt with some injuries, um, you know, this this last few weeks. And I thought that the younger guys have stepped into uh, new roles and and done very well. So I'm excited. I think that um, you know we're going to be a tough team to play in the tournament, but we still got a long way to go. We still have to go to prep. We still have to go to Hillhouse. We still have to go to Cross. And um, those are tough places to play on the road um, anytime. Does this team have a state championship in them, or at least a league championship in them? I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to compete. I think we're one of the best teams in the state. I think we'll compete for both. Uh, but there are a lot of good coaches, and a lot of good players out there. And when you get into tournament play, it you know there's a little bit of luck involved, and you know, and you just got to be uh, playing your best and being healthy. But I do think we have an opportunity to compete for both 
it's certainly a, a big goal for this team to to win an SEC championship, um, and uh, it's it's always a goal of ours to break through. But Division One, there's no easy games yeah, in no Division joke. One. So I mean, you're you're talking about first your first round game is going to be a team that could beat you, and um, you know. But we, I think our team will be prepared for that. How have you ever gotten over that second round loss two years ago? Yeah, I have. You okay. know, uh, I've had worse losses, to be honest with really? you. Really? Yeah. And, um, that just struck me as like, wow, like they couldn't even get to the quarterfinals. Yeah. Well, you know, like I'm sure that that was, I mean, you get a lot of people who are disappointed. I mean, that was a, that was a, you know, a show every, every night. And, right. I think that if, you know, again, maybe it's because I'm involved in basketball all the time mm-hmm. and my perspective is a little bit different. Um, it was disappointing not to advance. Uh, I give a lot of credit in that game. I did to Dan Barry. I thought they did a really nice job, and we didn't play a great game, you know. And that, and if you watch enough basketball, it is a game that will humble you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in high school and college, it's forty minutes. In high school, I tell the guys, the game will humble you in thirty-two minutes. You know, thinking you're on top of the world and you, know, you beat a team by twenty in one week. How, how does in basketball do you lose the next week to the same team? And that happens all the time. It happens all the time. You watch the NCAA tournament. It's a difficult game. Um, it's not like football. You're bigger, stronger. Uh, faster, I mean, you're going to win most of the time. Yeah. You know, in basketball, three-pointers not going in. You know, you just guy has an off night and the other team's having a great night. You know, it could happen. So definitely disappointed. But you look at that game and so say, we just, we just didn't play our best game. And Dan Barry played really well. And we lost. You know, yeah. uh, still a great season. And um, those seniors have gone on. And several of those guys are on, obviously, playing at the college level. And they're, they're successful. So mm-hmm. disappointed. But... Um, not one of the games that stings uh, as much as you would think compared to some other games uh, for me. I really wanted to see Tremont at the <laughs> Mohican, to be honest. A lot of people did. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. <laughs> well, still, did, but still one of the great games and great atmospheres that I've ever the been SEC a part Championship of. Yeah, yeah, that was tremendous. The stories you hear about that game, about people being stuck on the, the – the connector trying to get to Quinnipiac. I have friends to, calling me up. To, the, fr- to the couple from Southfield, Frank and Sheila Basket, who are front and center every game, they couldn't get in, and they were there at 4 o'clock. They yeah. were already sold out. To just people who were dying to see that game and then living up to the expectation. I know Jason was on the losing end, but it was a great basketball game. Right. Big lead, but then they storm back, tie and, the game. And Hill House ended up winning, winning, winning a state championship that year. You know, it, it was just a great atmosphere. And – I don't know if you're going to get that game again because, first of all, they're not, I don't know if they're going back to Quinnipiac because you, you, Quinnipiac, before that, it was tough getting crowds there, great crowds. That just happened to be everything came together, two undefeated teams. Here's what everybody wants and what has happened, and I think this is the impetus behind your decision, is basically they want to see that every year. They want to have the best players in. Cause we Listen. And Division One has that. Connecticut has great basketball players. Right. I think we can all agree that there are kids here that grow up. I mean, yeah, we yes. get some from New York and da-da-da. But overall, the talent has been pretty good at the, at the high school level. And people just don't want to see them spread out. They want to see them playing against each other at wherever school or wherever town they they want to see them play at Quinnipiac. They want to see them play at Mohegan. They want the best. That's what people care about because now you're talking about Connecticut stuff. When you get into the prep schools, what happens is is that it's who – what's the attachment there? Basically, these schools are very, very close-knit. But other than that, there's not a lot. Yeah, you have a couple rivalries, but it's just not the same as – CIAC and going to the road to Mohegan and all that stuff. It's just not the same. I, I agree. You think about that game, we probably I'd have to rock my right on all of them, but I, I think we probably had eight scholarship players starting that game. 
yeah. on the floor. Yeah, it was the Division Two and the Division yeah. One level. Joey future. and yeah, and Trey and people yeah. were people and, were scalping and, tickets. And Adams, people were scalping tickets outside. You know, I mean, we we couldn't get we got to the game late because our bus got stuck in the traffic. Oh really? <laughs> and we couldn't get in. We you know believe it, we were probably about a half an hour forty five. We couldn't get in, and. and that wasn't a good thing for us. Obviously. It, was li- it was the line of people just. I'm, it was just I'm the cars. Assist. We couldn't get our bus through. You know, we were close to just getting out and walking. You know, that's how crowded it was. And uh, you know, we even get to do a lot of our pregame stuff. But the, um, yeah, it was it was insane. But that game was was tremendous. The amount of talent and, and, on that and court. And that's what you know? that's what people want. They don't want the kid. See, and again, that's a thing with me. It is when I, you look at the prep schools in football as well it's just like well who are you playing in front of and what does this mean i think that's a very important thing and we had scott burrell on last week and even scott was saying there's a lot of like per, like me 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 i i know he i don't want to like paint every kid with that brush but there's a lot of like we only care about the hey, i i i don't really care about anything else other than my advancement and then everything kind of gets lost and you lose that who am i playing in front of what are we playing for i always think that's an important part of the, this whole big thing and Otherwise, we just have a bunch of schools running around, and here's a game, and here's a game in front of like forty people. And yeah, I think what you're what you're speaking to is experience. Let kids experience a great atmosphere like that. Yeah. Let them enjoy it and stop right. worrying about you know colleges and marketing kids and. I think that's what we've kids. lost over the last 20, 30, 40 years. I couldn't or agree. I couldn't agree more. From the from the athlete uh, to the parent. You know, the idea of parents worrying about college at, you know, the seventh or eighth grade level, you know, where am I getting exposure and how's my son or son being branded and, and these yeah. things versus It's crazy. Like let's just enjoy sports for what they're supposed to be, right? It's supposed to teach you a lot of life lessons. There's a reason why there's always these great statistics that come out and major corporations, you know, looking to hire former athletes because, you know, they could be told no. They work well in groups. They can handle criticism. Like these are the lessons you're supposed to learn from sports. Sometimes we lose that. We get hyper focused on what's going to happen in a uh, in the future. Can, what level you're going to play at the college level? Uh, but I agree. Just in, let guys enjoy the experience, go through the process of a high school career, and play. Maybe if they're lucky in one of those atmospheres, which was tremendous to be a part of. And you know, Coach Sutton does a great job at Hill House, and they built the program there that is. Uh, obviously one of the best in the state year in and year out and and to compete against them in front of that crowd at Quinnipiac University which you're right was great of uh, the commissioner to the Carbone to put together and and let us play there in that game I mean that was one of the best high school games I think you're ever going to see just the level and the fact that the kids stepped up and the the hype was actually matched with the performance that's right you know it really was it was it was a heavyweight battle blow for blow and um, you're right I wish we could have done it again in Mohegan but again that's basketball and we didn't get that opportunity but it was certainly uh, great to be a part of that Jason Shea uh, the, the high school coach and athletic director at Notre Dame High School their school is starting a postgraduate program with the 2019-20 academic year Jason thank you for joining us in the studio I appreciate it thank you very much this has been the Courtside for Joe Morelli podcast for Sean Patrick Bowley and Jason Shea. I'm Joe Morelli. We will talk to you next week. Thank you.